everybody, and welcome to This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. I am here with three of my favorite people in the world who also coincidentally happen to like comic books, Harry, Tyler, and Freya. And we are here to talk about the X-Men comic books out on the 17th of March, 2021. There were two, Sword number four and X-Force number 18. As a reminder, this is a full spoilers program. We're gonna get super deep into these issues, the influences on them, the history of these characters. So if you're looking to not get spoiled on Marvel Comics, we can't help you, but we really hope that you will stay. Now, as we do every episode, we have some questions lightly drawn from the comic books that we want to use to get the chat started today. So I'll start with Faria for a change. Faria, let me ask you, what is something in your life that you keep an obsessive count or track of? You cannot say comic books. <laughs> oh, damn. But <laughs> so... <clears throat> The, the one, like, I actually wanted to say the number of books I've read. So it's not just comics. It's, it's like everything, you know, I've read. And there is like a counter that's in my head that I can constantly just obsess with. Like every morning, I will just say how much it is. So as of this morning, it's 2,878 books. Like and lifetime? Your whole life? Lifetime. Lifetime. That is wild. <clears throat> Damn. Yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> lifetime book. So it's, it's. It's debatable because some of them are like, you know, six issue, no, six issue <laughs> comics, like six issue, Four like six issue trade paperback to like, you know, the whole Lord of the Rings or the whole works of Shakespeare as one count as one. But as of like, you know, so I have a constant number that's in my head and I keep on just saying it. My target is like for this year to reach it 3200. And that's like has mm. been always my like one thing in my life that has been constant, like I constantly obsess over it. So this is like one hobby, reading, and that could be like any genre, it doesn't matter. Just reading and then that constant number that's always there wow. for me. Wow. I, I have Damn. never known that about you and that is amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> it is. Harry, Hello. I have a question for you, uh, drawn from one of the books today. Have you ever <laughs> discovered in your life that you have been kind of typecast or pigeonholed as that guy who blank and and what was that how did you get typecast uh yeah i mean it's not the most original answer but i've been typecast as the superhero guy because since uh, eighth grade i've been reading comics and what have you and i i'm a chatterbox so i talk about it with my friends all the time so eventually that turns into at any birthday or any kind of gift giving thing, I'm going to get uh, something Spider-Man theme or something <laughs> oh, <no>. Batman theme. <laughs> and my, my personal favorite till the day I die. And I think about this once a week is I was in high school and this guy who I kind of knew was talking to in class. And he was like, Hey, you like Superman, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah I like Superman. He goes, you should listen to the song Superman by Three Doors Down. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, all right, man. And you know, I liked it, but I was like, really? But you know, whatever. <laughs> that's just what I, that's, that's my position in life. And that's so you what just I'll, got like I'll, a, I'll draw, a drawer full of like Superman socks and Spider-Man underwear. Yes, that's there, just like there was a, get. There was a gift, yeah, a Christmas gift exchange, like a Secret Santa for my co work company once. And I swear to God, it was like, you know, it was like a $10 limit. I got like a Spider-Man calendar. And I was just like, no, it's great. Love it. You know, it was like a bike for children, but whatever. Still cool. Tyler, my question for you is, do you um, have a problem in your life that you've solved in a non-standard or non-expected uh, way, maybe in an off-label kind of way? <laughs> Um, I mean, 
not exactly a problem, but um, I do love um, um, hacking IKEA stuff. So <laughs> I love that. Know, hacking yeah. how? Like building something that the instructions yeah. aren't telling you to build? Hacking no, how? it's like okay. So so when I um, when I when I moved from my first apartment to my second apartment, uh, rental apartment here, um, that apartment doesn't have like um, a lot of closets. So there was, I mean, and I, I have a habit of like, I mean, I don't wear shoes at home. So when I come to the doors, I take off my shoes and I put it onto a shoe rack. But I yeah. do not want to buy a shoe rack because I think it is a, it is, well, it is just meant for one thing. So if right. I move to the third apartment and it has a closet there, then, then what are you going to do with the shoe rack? Yeah. So yeah. then I, I wasted money on that, on, on buying that. So I got a shelf and then I was, I just walk around Ikea and I found these, um, wire um cd rack you know so i turn it over and it becomes a shoe um stackable thing so i was that. like oh so i measured so i measured out the, the shelves and i was like okay i need four of this and then it becomes eight levels i can put some behind I can put some on top and if i turn it another way i can put my slippers in that way slotted it so i was like okay that works so that's how i i mean that's one example of like an ikea hack that i do. i'm in love with that so as a household that is combination germaphobe and asian family uh in in reality i'm not trying to make a metaphor but that's my household <laughs> yeah uh we we're very much in the in that vein and that is such a brilliant idea because i hate shoe racks too and then they yeah. just take up a bunch of floor space, which then is just stacks and stacks of shoes exactly when you could like float it oh i'm obsessed yeah i'm Tyler, well, i'm luck have you considered doing like a uh, IKEA hack with Tyler as a YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> no, because the market, the 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 market for that is like so saturated already. I mean, oh, a I'm lot sure. of people yeah. are doing that. Oh, is there like IKEA oh, hack my... YouTube that we, that we're not yeah. even into? Yeah, a lot. There's <laughs> a lot of those things happening. My and mind blows. Some of them, um, like for example, um, when I um, when I was renovating my own place a couple of years back, um, I had a closet, but asking a carpenter to build drawers is super expensive. So I bought I IKEA it. stuff and I asked him to like re-retrofit into the closet. So it looks like a built-in, but it's like way cheaper because he doesn't have to build drawers. He just he just mm -hmm. built a trim. So like, you know, these are like really simple stuff that you can do and saves you a lot of money. I have to say, you know, folks, we uh, spend a lot of time and angst trying to get good questions before every episode. <laughs> and today, I w we weren't sure if we had winners, but I think I just learned three really interesting things <laughs> about the three of you. So I'm su super, super into that. And now that we've all and warmed can, up, oh, what's And happening? I can update, no, I'm just saying I can update my book count every week now. <laughs> <laughs> Free a book tracker. For the week. You just have like a, a counter like on your top or bottom <laughs> left corner. And it's just, <laughs> just keep jumping. At all times. Like a little HUD. man. All right. Well, now that we're nice and warm, let us get into this week's <laughs> X-Men comic books. For sword number four, we're going to go around and do our lightning round before we get into any in-depth themes and content. So just from the gut, Tyler, what were your feelings on sword number four? I mean, despite Ewing getting stuck with a tie-in, he still managed to like focus the story on Krakoa, which I thought you know is what a really good tie-in should do, and um, I mean he's also supported by beautiful um, Skitty's art, and there was just one great um, chase scene that I that I love. I mean, 
I don't know how to I don't know how to express how much I love that chase scene because it was really <laughs> awesome. Um, I gave it a three point seven five goose snakes out of five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everyone loves a goose snake. Okay, <laughs> Harry, what did you think? Of that that's that's that sentence is going to be in my head for weeks now. I'm not going to. I know. Good issue, honestly. Like, frankly, pretty good issue, considering that we've been kind of lukewarm on this because it got shoved into a crossover none of us like, uh, or want in this case. Um, the art was much better. I think there was good focus on two characters in particular. There's a really fun beat. Um, this feels weirdly like a, like to me, like a second arc or a story down the line that flushes out a team member. They just kind of did it first because there's not much else they can do because they're working within the confines of King and Black. Uh, but the really important thing is we're done. We're done with King and Black. This is the last issue. No more. We can move on and we can actually figure out what this book really wants to do uh, after four months. So I'm going to give it a 3.85 uh, No More King and Blacks. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Freeha, what did you think? It, it's like a very, like a lot of good moments, but I just don't know why they're doing, what they're doing in S.W.O.R.D. Because first of all, I'm very annoyed by the tie-in and the fact that it's another tie-in and there is no recap page. So I have no idea what's going on in other things and stuff like that. And then there were certain things like, you know, they were happening with the five, which should be an X factor thing, but it's happening here. And then there was like, I don't know, it's a lot of good moments, but it just kind of disjointed and it just felt like, okay, sure, let's move on. No more King and Black. Uh, the art was really good. I really liked that. Um, to me, it was overall a solid three body slides out of five. I like the slide there. Yeah. Slide. Body slide. <laughs> I have to say that I, I'm coming in maybe just above Freya and just below the other two of you in my opinion. I, because I've really debated like, what is this book about? Like we got this great cast in the first issue and then I really feel like we haven't been using them and it's been hard to even understand what is S.W.O.R.D., why does it exist? Why wasn't this just the X-Men King in Black miniseries, you know? And I feel like this was the first issue where it really felt like a book, like with a mm -hmm. purpose and a thing to mm -hmm. say about X-Men and about Krakoa and about mutants. And so I just, it really finally clicked for me. And maybe I'm just slow. Maybe it clicked for other people at issue one or two or three, and it just took me this long to get there. That might be the case for some of you listening. But I just felt like this was the first time that I was like, ah, I get it. Also, I think Shitty just was on fire. I think the illustrations yeah. here were great. And I do think the action was spectacular. It just really, really worked for me in a way that I root for comics, comics to work. Like I, I just, I want all comics to be at least this good. So um, the thing I want to start with actually is the thing that free somebody slide. I can't get over it. Like, can I get one dollar back just because there was like two page of just body slide? Like, like can I mean you can't you can't do that. Like you know like I uh, the Wolverine did it with like a bunch of white pages mm -hmm. that they took money and now there's like I paid like like dollars for one pages of just body slide. So I can't get. Well, over it's that. a fight and a chase scene. 
Well, right. I, I, I want to start there, God partially because so we know I'm always consuming older X-Men media with the kid and just in general in this house. And hilariously, yeah. just moments before reading this, we um, read Cable coming back to the past, and or we watched Cable coming back to the past in X-Men the Animated Series, which has a lot of him body sliding around as he fights. And then I read this, and I'm like, what is happening? So, but here's the thing, and I, and I, I now that we've heard um, Freeze Fishers, and I know Tyler is more positive, so we'll start with Tyler. I think this was really inventive because it took that kind of portal action of like where physical space doesn't matter in a fight because the space is immaterial to both of the combatants. And I think it did it in an interesting way on the page because it did nine panel grid, but it like sliced the grid in weird ways. Yeah. It wasn't just a straight up nine. Sometimes it broke through the back, sometimes the forward, sometimes the, the portal explosion. To me, like, could they get away with this every issue? No. But for a fight scene that thrilled the ever living out of me, Yes, but that was how I approached it. So I want to hear what everybody's takes are starting with Tyler. Like, how did this action come off? And what did you think about Manifold versus Symbiote Cable? It doesn't... It, it, the thing is that it, the, the, the action did not even start, like, on the two pages. It started, like, you know, a couple of pages before where... Yeah. Where young, I mean, where you know, now symbiote cable was like asking the gooseneck to attack Manifold, and Manifold was manifesting those little, yeah, and chopping uh, them thing, off, yeah, to, to start mm -hmm. killing them and then or maybe teleporting them elsewhere, right? And then, and then that particular scene, that cross scene where uh, symbiote was like he body slide to behind him and above. Uh, above Manifold yeah. to try and like ambush him and Manifold creating a new one just to run from him. So there are two things happening here. Manifold can talk to the universe. So the universe is telling him where Cable is oh, coming from. I didn't even get that. And then mm -hmm. Cable is a telepath. So he can tell where Manifold is trying to come out of. So there's these two things, competing things that is like going on. So I thought that was like really, really interesting. Like you know, and then like the the art here is also like so good. Like I mean, yeah. I really enjoyed it. But I'm gonna have to raise course, my rating now. That was so much more than <laughs> I got out of it. Well, first. what I liked about that fight scene too is that like as as uh, Tyler, as you mentioned, just where he just kind of cable kind of teleports above and then kind of swings yep. down and he's gone. It has like that energy and the like, kind of the pace to me almost of like 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 a manga fight of just like two super fast characters that are just mm -hmm. like flitting through space and what have you. It had like this really fun fast energy that just like on a, on a kinetic level was was super exciting. Freya, what do you think? You're probably the biggest manga reader of the four of us. Do you get that vibe? Yeah, let me know if I'm talking about? wrong. But. Oh, no, no, absolutely. It's it's very kinetic and it's very much like something that um, Western comic artists can learn. Just read a manga. You'll mm. get there. Uh, even though even the worst manga has like a better action scene <laughs> than a lot of the, you know, a lot of the... Uh, uh, comics you have so I absolutely loved the loved the fight scene by the way like you know I'm, I'm with Tyler on that mm -hmm. like it, it's, it's absolutely like you know fantastic and I also kind of I got the 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 um, universe talking part I didn't get the cable being a telepath Same. part so that's that uh, that's something that you know I can listen to that my only complaint was the body slide like why do you have to say it <laughs> Just don't say it. Like, let us just see it. Like, that's my... Like, that made me mad. That made me so mad. It's like, oh, I don't know. It's, 
such just, a weird word. It just, it just now will for, exactly. because of you, it will now forever make me think about, you know, when you're doing like one of those line dances at a wedding, whatever, and it's like slide to the left. Like now in my head, it's just like body slide. So, so and here's the thing, because I read the comics and then I was actually in a meeting and then the nonstop I was doing this. <laughs> I was doing this the whole time. There, there's like, a panel. <laughs> there's just, a panel just, of cable just going body slide <laughs> coming out of a portal. He's just like, exactly, yeah, exactly. And that's what that took so much out of me. It just because the word is so weird. <laughs> but and it, just, it, it is. Oh. I, I guess it's like consistent. It is pretty consistent. Well, I think yeah. the thing is that. We, I think be- because Peter and I are more, you know, we read a lot of like um, eighties comics, right? Where they tell and show, so so we are sort of like used to it. I was like, okay, this is what he's doing: body slide by one, body slide by two, or whatever. And so we are so used to it. Like it doesn't, it didn't register. At least for me, it didn't register as like. Um, you know, needless. Uh, so no, it's not, I, I, I don't read it as here's, like- here's, here's the thing. Now, from now on, I want every superhero to say a word that they're doing. Like Storm is like lightning. Storm is like claw, claw, claw. Yeah. Stab, stab, stab. Because the body slide, it's not his mutant power, right? It's something yeah, no. that he's got programmed that in the past has been connected, Tyler, correctly if I'm wrong, to like ship or grail making or whatever. Yes. His technology. So the, the whole idea is that he's got to verbalize it. Like it's not yeah. like he can't just tap. He's to saying activate it, it. To activate basically. it, which is, which is what makes it like funny, but also not funny because it's not the same <laughs> as like Claremont being like, I will use lightning for storm because it actually does have a narrative purpose. He's kind of a Pokemon just yelling his power to use it, like running around. <laughs> you know, like, I will say just speaking about the art and I, you know, you guys, I've clear, I think been like the most dim on King and Black. Uh, I think Shady's design for Symbiote Cables is kind of like really good. Like it's, it it's gro- it's grody, and, but and it's, but it's really specific and, and unique like, while also being super grotesque but it doesn't just seem like a random ass cable uh, a symbiote monster you know what i mean like it's it's, and like it's got like he's got a cloak still but now it's like this kind of membrane and Mm. it it's just it's kind of quietly a a pretty cool design Uh, i'm glad it's gone though so and he pushed and (laughs) gratia on colors pushed it more to pink on the accents because to Mm -hmm. tie in with the telekinetic psychic fire from his eye and it kind of like wraps down onto the cloak instead of just going for the like red and black red and black that everything is also here's my question it goes well with the pokemon development of cable (laughs) if cable is cable and teen table is teen cable is table is symbiote teen cable stable what what is it what what is our portmanteau I just stable. call it table and I expect people to like understand me like I'll be in conversation with somebody about comics and be like well table was great this <laughs> it's like is Peter having a stroke what's going on over there <laughs> I like stable but the thing is like okay so is it just only me who thought that he looks like Quentin Quire <laughs> yes you well know, I don't think in that does I haven't vocalized you know, that, but I've been thinking this since day one. Like they are very similar visual characters, especially now. And, and with the yeah, especially like you know the way that we are going to talk about X Force, and then you know because whatever's happening, and it just kind of they look very alike. So especially with the pink, like like I'm yeah. like. Quentin already yeah, got the Quire does down. own the, the pink brand right now. Yeah, so at, at risk at, at plunging us into a lengthy discussion, I think because we're at the end 
of this battle, there's one other beat that I have to mention, mostly for Tyler's benefit, but I'm interested in what the two of you <laughs> thought too, because I don't know if you know this beat the way that Tyler does. So Frenzy, who I love, um, comes down, busts herself out of her goose act and just clocks stable. Uh, and she, he's like, I'm gonna kill everybody you ever loved. And she says, I've only ever loved one person. And if he'd felt the same way, you'd be my stepson. And I was, I, I it like took my breath away. So before Tyler says anything, do you under, do either of you know why she said that? She's into Cyclops. I just assumed, I assume Cyclops has a more interesting life than I realized. That was my my basic on that. Like, so Tyler, uh, since we immediately group chatted each other when we came to this realization, why, why is this such a great moment? Because Frenzy was married to Scott in Age of X. And then after the Age of X event, um, I I remembered Rogue and her retained their memories. But I think Peter, Peter remembered it as in like, they, uh, everyone has a choice whether they remember it or they choose to forget Age of X. Yeah, I thought in like Legacy 248 or 249 or something, mm. they had like almost like a walk-in clinic of like anybody who wants to forget, ah. forgets. And Frenzy had this scene with Scott where she's huh. like, I know you don't feel this way anymore, but it mattered to me. And Scott's like, well, I'm going to go forget, have fun. Like, and <laughs> was like, no, this is the only time I've like, like, ever loved anybody. And then, yeah. and, then Frenzy, and then Frenzy doesn't forget. Like it just- You yeah. know, Scott oh. Summers move. So, <laughs> that that well, was such a good character beats for Scott. Uh, and I'm that's embarrassed. so Scott. And I've actually read Age of X. I, I, I forgot that, I guess. It's but been if you like didn't a read what came after it, yeah. then it won't. Yeah, then it wouldn't yeah. yeah. no, no, register no, no. because- no. Because I think there was there was this continuous con a little bit of a of a beat where Frenzy was still, I mean Frenzy was him. is is in this at this point still in love with Scott and I think in some ways and then I think she couldn't stand Scott and Emma um, being together so I think like during schism she shifted out over to the Jean Grey school or something like that okay. um, so like there there was. It's not just a one-off thing. Like it, it dragged on quite a bit, and so yeah, I mean, which is even more interesting because Frenzy, as we have mentioned, was originally in X Factor at the very beginning of the original X Factor series as one of Apocalypse's little underlings before he had his four yeah. horsemen, and so her origin is in conflict with Scott. Not that we want to define Frenzy by Scott because she's actually really darn interesting on her own, but it was just such a great throwaway line. But the idea that she has to still have this feeling of beating Cable over the head and being like, and you were you were my stepson, you know, in this reality. I That just shot through the heart. Yeah. yeah. So can I, can, I I'm going to open like Fariha's school of enlightening ex-ladies that just to be like, there's other sexier mutant than Cyclops. Yeah. This, ladies, this is, ladies. This is reaching like a him kind of territory or like, three. Yeah. People are obsessed like, with Scott. Yeah, plus like Logan. The, like, yeah, I mean, like you know, I mean, these are like amazing ladies, and they're into Scott. It's totally what? like it's totally like the the person like dating like kind of the burnout from high school in your hometown, no, I mean, and I, you're I, like I, him, like. No, it's it's like it's very much like you know, Daddy Claremont projected himself on screen. I I agree. And but the, <laughs> period. The reason it still kind of works and Greg for, Morrison for, after that. for frenzy is because she even see even in the text. What is that word that Zach taught me? Diegetically, she <laughs> sees that. But she's like, but if I choose to forget it because it was so basic, I will lose the feeling of love. 
basic. Mm. Oh, sorry. You know, like it's like she she literally would agree with you. I think Frenzy would be like, you're right, girl. Oh, no, no. I mean, it, it's true, though. It's like I, I dated some people where I'm like, like in retrospect. But, you know, I wouldn't like to want to forget that because then I would forget all the mistakes yeah. I made. Maybe right. that's what uh, it is. Yeah. Even dumpster and diving has its benefits as you get older. You learn from them. That's in its Says I'm the master. youngest person on yeah. this. <laughs> Whatever. Says Harry. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting my college diploma any day now, so y'all don't make fun of me. Uh, you, mean, you mean your license to drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, all, all right, all right. So I want to now pivot pretty hard from this scene to a different scene, which is kind of a conglomerate of a few different plot points. Mentello came to Krakoa in his psychic tank to pick up the five to evacuate them from Earth in case this is the end, per Brand's direction. But the five don't really want to go with him all that much, which leads to a really interesting multi-party situation here, and we could talk about any parts of it that you want, because A, Hope is now in a psychic argument with Brand about if they should abandon ship when the abandoned ship hasn't even been planned, which gets back to Free and I talking about root cause analysis and like finding the thing that's actually broken. Meanwhile, in a totally different vein, WizKid is like, you're not even thinking about these gates the right way. The gates themselves are information. You don't have to go through gates to have information. The gates themselves relay information without anybody ever going through them. And mm -hmm. and so WizKid then pretty much hacks Krakoa, which ties up all into one big knot with WizKid then hacking Mentalo's tank while Mentalo is losing the argument <laughs> with Hope because Hope wants it. Like, there's just a whole ball of stuff. This is the point of where I'm like, ah, that's what this book is about. But what did you think about this whole scene? What were the most interesting parts of it for you, Freya? Um, so first of all, I wanted this because that stuck with me, even though a lot of the things about this issue I keep on forgetting and I having to keep going back and forth. Like, oh, this happened. <laughs> this is what like Hope Summers, she says that. But all I see from you is the same old human thinking, spycraft and mechanicians, secrets and mysteries. Who does it serve? Does she not met Emma? Like, have she never met Emma? Like, she oh, never Hope met Emma. Yeah. She never met she never met Sinister. She never met like, you know, the <clears throat> what you call that? Um what's his name? Oh my god, he's not paralyzed. Um Come Shaw. on, people. Shaw. Like Shaw. she hasn't met these people. Oh boy. Because, like, you you just described <laughs> the plot of Generation Hope, so I'm really excited for you to continue <laughs> your no, X-Men reading into the four five hundred. No, but yeah. that's what I'm saying though. It's like, you know, why is she like, oh, this is like old human thinking? No, it's not. Like this is that's what mutant is all about. They're all about mutant, like you know, mysteries, secrets, mechanicians, and all that. I mean, I don't know. I just I was like I was laughing at that mostly. I just but, like that scene. Oh, go on, sorry. No, no. I was just like I loved the the whole psychic battle thing because that's that's exquisite. And then also like um, the whiz kid figuring out the gate thing. I'm like, this is oh, this is this is so good. Competence. Like mutant. That's, yeah, I like that scene. Because like, <laughs> Hope's just yelling at Brand, being like, yo, your plan sucks. Like, I don't want to back it. Like, you are not, it just, it's positioning Brand very much more in this, like, not like right or wrong, but just like this flawed way. And it's kind of interesting seeing the, the daylight between her and Krakoa in general. And then later on, seeing the kind of daylight between 
Magneto giving orders and her giving orders. And it's just like, it's just like, I don't feel like Bran wins that argument in any way no. uh, in that conversation, which is, which is interesting because she's ostensibly our lead. And immediately it's just like, hey, you're, this is dumb. You shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> but she also doesn't care though. No, nah, which is my sense, which makes her interesting. Yeah, I think it just sets 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 up the the fact that Bran. I mean, it reiterates that Bran is not hundred percent um, backing Krakoa, or at Definitely least not. you know not listening to the Quiet Council. She 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 wanted to be independent, like right from the beginning. She's like, yes, I know we are using Krakoan tech, but I'm independent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember something like that. That, that conversation that she had with yeah. Magneto in issue one. And, and I mean, I, what I find interesting is this, right? Is that um, Bran, at the very least, is thinking about redundancy and backups and having a, having a plan. It may not be the best plan, using Mandela to, <laughs> to upload psychics. Yeah, but, you know... At least she has a plan. She thought about it. Like, I, I don't know if the Quiet Council thought about it. And then the other thing is, Mm-mm. it's interesting to see the split. Like, it's pretty clear Manifold is Bran. It's, it's Bran's person. Whereas mm-hmm. Frenzy is more Krakoan. So, so that there is a split in terms of, like, the sword cast. And, and I thought, like, you know, is, is a good seat right now. Because, like, going forward... We probably will see more conflict, you know. Or, I mean, whenever Bran wanted to do something that is not hundred percent to Krakoa's advantage, Frenzy might step in and say, "Like, hey, why are we doing this? What is oh, this for?" Also, not to mention that within within this issue, there's like two leaders. There's a Bran giving orders, and there's also Magneto giving orders. And yeah. there is like the most Krakoan person, Magneto, and the least Krakoan person. Yeah, <laughs> that Bran. is Bran. So there's like a lot of that going to happen mm-hmm. as well. Oh, well but so much, so much. Stuff one, in there. one thing I do want yeah. to mention though is like you know all the people that all the among the five, Eva Bell, she just decided to just sit down. You know, and then rest are just kind of hanging out. It's a hope is the only one who's like, ah, <laughs> you moved us. Bro. But the rest of them are like, just like, you know, just sitting there and chilling. God, I'm, like, I'm seeing yeah. a gooseneck coming out. Gooseneck day. I don't know. There's up. so much in there and I... I really could get stuck on this beat for a long time, so I want to try to move through it quickly and stop me if mm-hmm. I'm getting in a rut. I really think it's interesting that Hope is expressing opinions on the behalf of the five. We've seen hints of this in the other books, especially in the data pages, where the five mm-hmm. is like, we think we shouldn't have to mess with Quentin on every resurrection, or we think this should be in our purview, and then the answer is like, no, that's X-Force, or that's X-Factor. And I think that it's this really subtle theme across all the books about that the five are starting to have their own opinions that are different than Quiet Council opinions, right? But then layer onto that, that Cable is the villain here, Hope is his daughter, but what is the relationship between Hope and Teen Cable? Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen a ton of that, so that's an aspect and then we also get the aspect that these are like third and fourth generation leaders of mutants arguing about mutants which to me is really interesting right like hope was you know begat by cable who's from gene and cyclops who are from xavier so hope is a level four brand although we still don't know her parentage which we didn't you know introduce big questions about kind of was brought in via 
sword and a connection, however tenuous, to Nick Fury, but she also was in a relationship with Beast. Who, I mean, we have these are people who are not the normal leaders, and they're mm-hmm. getting to participate in this debate and have as much control as like a Magneto, and that's just a really fascinating beat to me. And that really made me click as to like, ah, this is kind of what Sword is about. That like. Even this evolved version of the Quiet Council is small to some people who want to push even further. You know, Sword might wind up being our most radical book politically in terms mm-hmm. of Krakow. So also I wanted to just point out, I love that dance party scene with the five. Oh like, well, God. if we're going to be stuck in this cave anyway, <laughs> Wizkid, why don't you like DJ? And and uh, Proteus is like rocking out. So it just was really cute. But the most, the most Al Ewing moment is just, yeah, we'll just so, do a dance party. So the thing is like, do you think Hope is like leader of the five? Who is yes. the leader of the five? Yeah, 100 I think Hope. Hope. Yeah. Okay. So it's just naturally because the other four are like, uh, whatever, or is it just it's do you Hope. Think- well, I mean, it can it cannot be egg because <laughs> his egg. That's <laughs> mean. Because I mean, I mean the egg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah. The the two most senior person here is either Hope or Proteus, but Proteus has never been on a team before, so he's also pink and intense, yeah. potentially yeah. insane. Well, and also Hope was the mutant messiah. I mean, especially to that younger generation, Mm. not so much Proteus, but certainly to Eva Bell and Egg, who who are post-Hope, right? Like, she created the ability Mm. for them to be a thing. And Elixir, who was there at the time, and she, like, you know, saved all of the mutant race. Yeah. You know, she still means something to them. And I think Mm. that that's a really good beat to play to watch them kind of be a little bit differential especially when we get a scene where they all voice their opinion and then hope goes last and they're like yes hope and i think that hopefully (laughs) that's going to play out in the longer term uh because i just think it's a really interesting you can't take away that facet of hope and i just hope that the writers are clever enough to lean into it a little bit i want to move also oh go ahead no what i mean is like in this case we see hope stepping up um, more or less as the leader here right. and you know giving her opinion and then we see her well the younger version of her dad voicing like his lack of confidence which is not the first time now like I think he voiced it after that fight with um, what was that with with Bay mm-hmm. yeah after the fight with, with was it Bay yeah or yeah. Is it, yeah, yeah with Bay like um, where so, it's almost like she, he has to go and learn that from her because he's not a, at a stage of life where yeah. he has that confidence that he gave to Hope yet. Yeah. Yeah? I mean, yeah. And that kind of worried me because I'm afraid that, like, you know, this is where young Cable exit and the old Cable comes back. Um, you know, because, I, I mean, I, I, it is no surprise. I, I think all, all, all four of us is starting to enjoy this young Cable because it's yeah. really written well in his own book. And... So, so it'll be a, I mean, it'll be a sad thing when the series ends and he leaves. Yeah, yeah. And the old cable comes back. So, you know. If that's what happens. Yeah. If, if that's what happens. No, no. Don't get down on it yet. Just, I mean, wow, they turned us around on table. Amazing. So. They really did. Here's my last topic for us. Uh, starts with a comment on art. There's a beautiful pull, full page of Magneto having his alas poor Yorick moment with Fabian Cortez's skull, which A, is just delicious. But B, the cape action here is like Silva quality cape action, but it has Shitty's 
animated faces. Silva has that very kind of stony way that he does faces, even in kind of comedic moments, but she almost makes it look like it's going to jump right out of the page like it's a Miyazaki animation or something, at least to me. That's what I get when he's like really on point. And I'm just, I mean, if I were to go and buy a page of art and frame it, it would be Magneto, alas, poor working uh, Cortez's skull. But this begets an interesting beat because Magneto isn't advertised as a main cast member of this book, but Mm. this whole ending has to do with Magneto making some decisions. He sends a memo. He seems like he has really come to believe something new here, but a lot of it is redacted. So Mm. what do you think about this? What is this new thing that he has decided? Um, What is this move that he's making? And why is the Quiet Council only going to have eight members when he goes to them for quorum? Tyler, I mean, I, I the, the the, I mean, the obvious things here is like you know he they mention is the second law, right? So the second law of uh, Krakow is murder no man. So mm. um, there were no men was, even in this plot though, right? It's just symbiotes no. and, and table. So yeah, why did Magneto like go there? Because of Fabian in I think two issues ago, where he was trying to propose something to Magneto. Um, mm, when yeah. they were fighting it, so so I think so. There's something here that is that needs to be said. I think. Um, I mean, I think they are going to have a qualifier of mother no man, like you know, and um, yeah. I mean, there's. Uh, I don't know why there are eight because I can only name two that are missing, which is Apocalypse and Gene. So, uh, um, I don't what's know. Maybe. I, I almost saw still there. He's still seated. Yeah, no, I know, but he's in Madripoor. However, I mean, Kate wants him to. Oh yeah, but he's in Madripoor. He's they're in Madripoor unveiling the, unveiling the statue. So that's why we don't know if they're gone for next. Well, we don't know the timing of these things, right? Wait, that's why it's redacted, so it's easy to say tell them. (laughs) 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 You know, that's why they redacted it because what other reason they have to redact that? Well, I mean, the other thing would be Storm might be away. Because we know that Storm is leaving Marauders. We don't know True. where she's leaving. So so the other thing would be like Storm is, is gone. So there'll be three Way out. Of three gone and then la- last one. I don't know who who is the yeah. last one. I feel yeah. like this has got to be almost... Yeah, go on, sir. No, I said maybe it's Sinister who is still in Murder World. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're all over the place right now, actually. Yeah. That's kind of... That'd be yeah, funny. They just note every single person. In, in, in X-Force yeah. and also is going to be starting the X-Men... Nightcrawler starting his church. I mean, we're down. We're down just to the villainous group at this point. And even as you I know, yeah. sister's not there. Harry, what did you think about this ending? I I feel like it's almost got to be like a bait and switch where it's like too. It's signaling too hard that Magneto's gonna like allow killing of humans with with Cortez. It's it almost. I, I could still see it going that way, but it almost feels like it's just too obvious to do that and something else is going to happen where maybe Magneto turns on Cortez or something. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I don't feel like, and even like a, Xavier writes in, in like little margins of the data page, like, Hey, don't do this. Like, it seems <laughs> like they're really shading it to seem like, Oh, Magneto is going to break bad in a way finally. But like, I just don't see that happening, mm. but I guess we'll find out. We know Faria is a card-carrying member of the Brotherhood of Mutants as led by Magneto. Yes. What did you think about yes. your man's uh, <laughs> final moments here? 
your boy. No, so your boy. Uh, first of all, <laughs> first of all, I was like, he, it's a very it, his dialogues have becoming more and more Shakespearean or more and more like so proper. It's like, oh, young man, it w- took your father <laughs> away too. So don't feel upset. Um, so you know, so I kind of like this like new men. He's kind of really reeling on the very extremist like nationalist side of mutant thing which is i think his thing but i feel like it's if he kind of go back on the whole murder no mutant and murder no man thing i feel like that's also a slipping again to his old form and that's just going to be a little awkward well but i mean i don't sorry go ahead no, I mean, I don't know thoughts. if that's, I, I don't know whether that's what they're going for, but I, okay. yeah, but the thing, whatever he decides, I will still follow him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but the thing is also like we saw in Marauders, right? The, the law causes problem because the law creates enemies for Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Like that's how the rivers were, were, were formed, right? So, right. Um, so, so there has to be, I think the qualifiers here is really in, in the sense of protecting Krakoa. So let's say we, you know, th- I mean, when they say kill, kill uh, murder no man, I think they forgot the fact that, like, what if we are at war with humans? I mean, are we allowed to kill them at war? Because then we are no longer talking about just murdering someone. So, so I so don't good. know if the qualifier is going to be something like that. But so my, my thing is, though, is... No, no, what I'm saying, that my thing is that I just don't know what triggered him. That's what I just don't understand. Like, what's Same. triggering I don't, him to I don't. bring this? Bring this out now. That's why but I feel anyway, like Peter it's not legit. Yeah. I read Peter it really answer. differently than you guys did. So, uh... Tell us. <laughs> body slide. Just, just wait for that. Body slide. Uh, just wait for that full musical episode. Uh, so, I read it as, why no man? This was an extraterrestrial threat. It already took them out. Why are we playing this game as if it's only about humans versus mutants? And does that, does murder no man mean only don't murder other humans that are not mutants? What about symbiotes? What about Char? What about snarks? Especially as combined with the eyes only page that came after it, the way that I read it was like, yeah, there's this thing about flat scans and Cortez said that to Magneto in the first issue, but I just didn't read it as him looking at the skull and being like, oh, Cortez was right. Because Magneto is a little bit deeper than that, I think at this point is kind of clear. I think I really read it as like, Cortez understands that this is broader, but he doesn't have the vision that I do to see how much broader. So I really think it's about universal scale and and needing to change the rules to, to speak to that. I think you're right. I'm going to be honest. I'm putting the money down. I think that's yeah. probably, that's got to be it, right? I don't know. And it would be we'll cool, see. right? Is that it not would cool? Be pretty cool? It'd be pretty cool. <laughs> For it, it would be, but at the same time, it's like, it, I don't know. I, I thought that that was kind of, anyway, who cares? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to yeah. be revealed. I think, I think that most of the things like it's being, it's being set up as like, there's two people who are, giving direction to the same team and that will come to head as well. It's that also for yeah. sure. I think that's definitely a right. part of it. Yeah, even definitely. Like, yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We will. Well, folks, I think that is it for our conversation wait, wait. on sword number four. Are we going to, are we going to talk about the mole? 
Um, no, who's a mole? Is it Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you think there, Tyler, do you think there's new news on the mole based on this issue? Yeah, the very last eyes only deep secret data page. You think you think that that's saying the mole is vote is vote because vote's name is unredacted? I mean, I don't know, but I I thought kind like of, maybe. Kind of I mean, there's the also the this this tag says burning heart. Like, does it mean anything to anyone? Is that the Krakoa text or is that the um? Is that no, the sub? Oh, it's like, like the the, the site the the bottom yeah. on the lower right. No, no. I mean, I just wanted to ask the question. Could be the all. name of the mission. Like, if it has to do with Snark War and their, the soul is in there, which is Earth Sun. And we all yeah. know that the Master Mold was orbiting the sun. And here we have uh, Manifold using the power of the mm, sun, which Magneto yeah. absolutely witnessed yeah. and harnessing that in a weaponized way. And 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 Cortez was killed alongside Sunfire. Uh, <laughs> I definitely think there's some some wheels turning in Ewing's head here. Okay. Okay. You know, that's all I wanted to ask. <laughs> all right. For X-Force number 18, as we do, let's have our lightning round of initial discussion, and then we'll dig in a little bit deeper after that. So, Tyler, what were your reactions to X-Force number 18? I mean, this is the third middle chapter of the past three weeks. And, you know, so it kind of... I mean, at the very least, I think this issue advanced the plot a bit instead of just meandering slowly. And I think we are sort of, like, spoiled by Kasara's art. So this change is pretty stark and jarring, and not in a good way. Um, you know, but I still enjoyed it. So um, 3.25 tickling sausage fingers out of 5. <laughs> I thought it was mine! You just no! put yours in! That's, I chose We are skirting that. a line here. Just save it. Save <laughs> Just hold on. All right, Harry, what was your lightning hey. round reaction? <laughs> Uh, it's fine. It's another middle chapter, like Tyler said. Uh, I'll be honest. Like, I mean, I, I was like, oh, while reading it, I was like, oh, so this is this is not getting resolved. This issue that was kind of my major feeling while reading it. Uh, the only difference I would say is I actually like this art quite a bit. It's not uh, Kasara, and it, I admit that, but I think it's pretty moody and pretty effective and pretty kind of gnarly and and scary at times. I, I was enjoying the art quite a bit. Um, so I would give it three and a half uh, vague sexual innuendos out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Furiha, what did you think? So page one and two, I just could not stop laughing. I'm still not, I still haven't stopped laughing at that. And then rest of it, yes, it's fine. It is the middle chapter. I think if we were reading it in trade, it would have been fine. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad that the plot is going somewhere and I'm glad that it's another Quentin Quire issue that just takes him somewhere different. And then we also got to see a little bit of beast that, you know, I wasn't expecting, but you know, I'm glad we got it. So I'll give it overall 3.5 Jolly Rogers out of five. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in a similar middle ground to all of you. I actually did enjoy Gary Brown's art really well. I thought if we were gonna have somebody rotate with Kasara, I, I actually think he fits really well in a rotation with Kasara. Um, but I just, I think it was fun to get the character beats and to be reminded that there is a, a team here and the team is not just kind of like whatever one character gets the focus. And that to me was the most pleasing part of this, even though we really didn't have the domino portion of the team. We got the on-island, you know, non-away 
portion of the team. But it just wasn't memorable. Like even in making the notes for it, I just found that I was like, yeah, something happened with Sage. And that's like all I really recalled. So I think we're like deep in middle issue syndrome, but you have to just wonder like, does anybody know what this X-Force book has been about at all since X of Swords? Like I know we are coming to the point, mm. but this is what the third or fourth issue. And it's yeah. it seems like it's a little bit of drift. So I'm getting a little bit worried about the, the thematic consistency of this book, but I think this issue was fine. So look, we barely could contain our tittering. So let's just come right out and talk about it. For those of you who are reading, or should I say, reading along with, or watching or listening to our epic X-Men reread, you will know that I refer to Black Tom and Juggernaut as platonic life partners. Now here yes. in the opening pages, we have Black Tom having a very pleasant dream about hanging out with Juggernaut and, and his sticking his his fat sausage fingers where they maybe don't quite fit what what, what are we to, i just i don't know what i'm supposed to really take from this i don't know we this all is, were in the group chat like what this is such a horny era of the x-men even for the x-men it's it's a lot in a good way it's so, fun so the thing is so the thing is like you know those of us who read Claremont, yes, I am saying us now. Excuse me, people. Um, <laughs> we have read that issue where Jogger literally threw himself off the cliff to save Black Tom. So since then, we were like, oh yeah, they're platonic life partner. Platonic, you know. Um, but now it's like, it's like he's now thinking about, like, you know, being tickled by Kane. I don't um, see Juggernaut as a big tickle monster, personally. It doesn't really seem like one. Like, well, you don't I'm have the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't know Come that. to Papa's sausage you, fingers. <laughs> but you don't have the relationship though. they have, okay? Yeah, He's very exactly. tender when he wants to be. <laughs> so, and here's, here's what I'm saying, though. It's like, you know, I, I'm very ticklish, too. And the thing is, ticklish it actually is worse when, it's, when you have little fingers like mine, spider fingers like mine. Because even it's like a sausage, it's just like... It, Gets a lot of surface area, like so I don't jabbing. know why he's why he's talking about like a, I don't know maybe he was trying to fit in somewhere else I don't know what that was <laughs> but it was a pleasant dream for about a platonic relationship life partner relationship just just and, guys you know, being guys right yeah right. exactly guys like can tickle each other that, newsflash exactly guys can exactly. tickle exactly. fights <laughs> exactly. and they can still and be platonic life partners right but what really made me laugh so much is like all right now. What's that this about? Who's jollying their Roger out there in the dark? Well, Black Tom, you were like <laughs> he was sitting there <laughs> you know, like you were you were sitting there having this like ticklish dreams and everything. I don't know. I love these two pages. I loved it. <laughs> like they I went just, from I really love the page where he gets swallowed up by the roots in the trees, but then it's a full page and it's actually the trees. Are, are above and then it's it, I had to double check and see if it was Kassar because I was like I didn't think it looked like Kassar's art but from a layout perspective this is the kind of crazy stuff that Kassar does which is where, like where Gary Brown yeah. got me on his side I think mm -hmm. it's like something you'd see in Swamp Thing like a good issue just yeah. like cool like kind of layouts interesting use of like page space it's cool but the thing is, like, you know, he, he, I was fooled. I really thought it was Kasara for the first, but then I, as I kept going and there was a Muppet yeah. faces showing up in different yeah. characters, that's when I went back. I'm like, what the, what the, what's going on? And what then, happened yeah, to him? Was, yeah, what happened to him? And I'm 
like, oh no, it's not. It's not him. Thank God for yeah. that. I, I, I bought the original art from him. He couldn't be losing <laughs> it like this. But yeah, I, I really, like, the first couple of pages were really good, but then it just went down mm. there. Yeah. I mean, it's especially the faces. Him. Not so much the other things, like the background mm. and the scary stuff, you know, it, it, it works. I mean, it's sort of, um, it, it works very well with Kassara's art, but um, the faces, like Fariha said, um, is a little bit off for a lot of the characters. No, it's, it looks like straight up, yeah. looks straight up like Muppets. Just see, like Cuckoo, one of the, the, the Cuckoo's actually, she actually had like this long eyes, big lips, like those Muppet, like, like you know, it's just like, it's it's, <laughs> it's not good. I just think it looks really moody. It looks it kind of looks like kind of like a horror book almost. That was kind of my impression. And it's it the faces are grotesque, you know. But sometimes that's kind of what you want from a horror book because not not to give total excuses. There are some wonky faces, and he draws yeah. a weird looking blob. But you know, it it wasn't like I wasn't feeling it in the moment. That kind of jarring feeling. I, I, it just made me really realize how much Guri affects the color group on this has really been setting the tone. At mm. first, it was just like imitating Dean White because Dean White had colored the first issue or two, I think. But yeah. I think Guri FX has like really defined the look of this book. And it made me realize that like even as I started to notice the faces were different, that it feels like X-Force. And I think to a degree, Gary Brown was doing a little bit of a Kassar impression in, in terms of page, page layouts and things. Yeah. But when the faces and the figures look that different, the fact that this still felt of a piece even if we didn't love everything about it, to me speaks to how good the colors are. And it just really, you know, I think there are some colors that are better than others in the X office right now. Uh, and I think that, you know, a lot of people love to champion the big names like Marta Gracia, who's amazing. But I really think Guru FX issue after issue turns in great work on X-Force yeah. and it makes it, it makes it X-Force. Like if it suddenly didn't look yeah. like this, we would, it, we would find it more jarring, even if it was still Kassar drawing it. Yeah. Yeah, we would know. Definitely. I agree. And also, I'm not sure, is this Gary Brown the same Gary Brown that did Baby Teeth with Donnie Cates? I'm not sure. It does kind of look like his art, but then, but I just wasn't sure if it's the same person. Uh, does it have Muppet face? Then yes. They do. They do. Have <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> then yes. All right. So this issue, it's kind of hard to talk about because... Mm everybody has their own unique experiences that kind of contributes to this realization that some version of Quentin, some vestige leftover of one of Quentin's many deaths has, has now taken advantage of the team and is haunting the team. It's quite divorced from the things that were happening with the black cancer of Krakoa and then going into the deep and then the cruise ship. Those things get referenced, but it feels like we're adding like yet another layer onto the cake here. And through that, each of the characters is kind of like plagued by some psychic nightmare action. So I actually want to start with some of the more minor ones and then build up to, I think Sage really gets the most of it in yeah. this issue. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Jean in a really interesting sequence, especially because she's on the moon, not yeah. on Krakoa, is just having her nightly goodnight kisses with all of her men. And she starts hallucinating these like crazy psychic monsters, which is a statement to the power of Quentin because it's Jean. Um, yeah. What did you all think about, you know, Jean's being impacted by the backsplash here? And then also them being like, well, we can't go to Jean. She's off the team. But the, the psychic backslash does not think Jean is off the team, yeah. clearly. Tyler? Well, I mean, the first thing is like, um, this basically says that the trouble is a thing. Yes. It's no longer it's no longer a joke or it's no longer a reference. It is a thing. Wait, like, it, it's, it wasn't a thing all this time? 
I, I mean, mean, you could you could read it as being like a hint or a yeah. joke, or but they, yeah, this people is like think committing. it's like a wink still. But yeah, this, yeah. Like, this, this is, is not like the a first wink. time that they were literally <laughs> yeah. like, "I am moving between the bedrooms now." Yeah, because I mean, I I I told you like I think the first time we re- we, we were recording, I have like the whole list of evidence of like who is with who and and on which issue. <laughs> yeah, but but this is the first time that you know you show her kissing Wolverine coffee breath and then have go to bed with like cyclops you know so so that's kind of like you know there yeah. but you know, my question is like why did you not do anything about it i don't know <laughs> because cyclops is calling that's what she's for <laughs> can't resist the the siren call of scott summers no one can apparently <laughs> this is like seriously for, i just just for, like yeah. for your school for Saving ex-ladies from Scott. But let me let me <laughs> make now. my question direct again. Jean is out of the X Force game, but the psychic nightmare wants her in. What what do we think? Is it because she's got some shard of something? Is it because she's complicit? Why is it on the moon, not even on Krakoa, haunting Jean? That was the latest information they had. That you know she's on the she's on the team. So whoever's guiding that force, which I'm assuming is the people who were who uh, kidnapped Rogue and probably took Quentin's body. Um, and it's probably that they're, they're just probably still thinking that. Like, you or, know, well, or it could be that, but also maybe if, you know, if, if it's as monstrous as it looks and it's just, it might just be like gravitating towards Jean because she's spent so much time with them as this unit. And it's not being that picky choosy about, oh, well, she quit. I guess I should stop. No. Like, but I think both are <laughs> likely, you know. No, but, but this, the thing is that this, uh, psychic, uh, psychic Quentin mm-hmm. uh, is actually a Quentin from before Jean, Jean That's quit, it. because mm-hmm. it happened before X of Sword. That's so yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, all right, so right, yeah, right. so that's what I'm saying. Information's not updated. Yeah, it made me really reflect on this from before we were doing the show together of the scene where Gene and Beast are in the dictator's bedroom. It's in like South America, maybe. Right. And yeah. and right. Gene's like, this is the last time I'm going to do this. And then she flies out of the window, but then there's still like the thing with the plant creature or whatever. Like, yeah. like Gene's hands are bloodier than Gene would like to admit. I was kind of what I got from it. I had missed the whole, this Quentin is probably from before she quit, which Tyler just made me realize. But I also think that it has to do with Gene's complic- complicitness. You don't just get to say, oh, well, I, I'm too good yeah. for this now. Like and she didn't yeah, do any because... restitution or anything. Like she still is part of this and has blood on her hands, which is unique for X-Force, right? We've never had like mm. a goody two-shoe kind of character like gene um at least not for a while the last time i really feel like that happened was like with rain and kyle and yost's x-force and so part of that's just really interesting to me because then we link to beast right he's the other kind of smaller one that i want to talk about before we get Mm -hmm. into sage and quentin so beast super complicit Uh, can i yeah go ahead before we before we can I just make one comment about like this whole the tri like triangle thing or whatever sure. they're calling it? You know, it's just right. like I'm just so ups- like so annoyed by like all this like all- it's always the thing. It's like even if there's a triangle going on, it's gonna be two men and a woman. Like it's like ugh, uh, like no 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 no. Uh, Scott, Jean, and Emma are involved. But it's 
they they never show it. They never show what? it like this. Yeah. This like you know this like they will always show it with like a two men and then the women is like oh okay I'm just gonna go between the two like it's just yeah. like it's the visual of it all. I just and mm. by the way everything that we know about how Wolverine pretty like Logan pretty much inserted himself between this relationship it just makes it so disgusting. It's like, I mean it is like, disgusting. Ugh. I'm not gonna yeah. rebut that. But I just I like, disagree just, with your premise though. Like I feel like mm. usually it's like this guy who's got like a woman on each arm arm and we're supposed to think he's so cool because he like pulled two ladies and I think it's you know Gene I mean we see Gene here as having agency but, and like walking between them like do you I really don't... feel like the, usually when we get this thruple beat with the one woman and the two men that we like get to see the woman instead of being pulled in two directions by the two different men literally being like okay good night I'm gonna go sleep with my other guy like it just, you it also just never, struck me as different but you never see this visual at all like it never happens like they're actually like, no, coming but, into it actually being on page which no, is but interesting it, but it, it it just felt like maybe because like everything I know about Jean and how she's always just manipulated into doing things. At least that's what I know of her for, for as of now. Because it's like, oh, like Cyclops calling, oh, are you coming? Like, it's not like she's like, she it's, she's not making any of the those decisions for somehow. Like, it just, so, it just feels like the men are telling her. Like, so I don't for know. You, I just, it's, it's the subtext of who the men are. Like, if it was right. like Jean with two random, uh, Bishop and some other sunfire you wouldn't necessarily right. feel that way but because it's gene with sunspot or with cyclops and wolverine you feel that way yeah like it's just like you know like he coming like oh are you coming to bed it's like oh, oh okay I'll, I'll go now bye-bye like it just it's just this look like it's like it comes look. off stern he comes off yeah really stern exactly that exactly yeah. that's the thing and the thing is i, I have seen i have seen that visual a lot of times and maybe not maybe in books but it's 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 there it's like you know it's like it's always like if there's a triangle it's always like that and if there's like two men and a woman it's men controlling the women all the time it just mm. letter 44 has i it think that's well. a i think that's a terrific point and i'm happy that you articulated it that yeah. way because yeah. i think i get really obsessed with like well the lady's empowered and then like i don't read subtextually and i think that you in this case are like reading for the subtextual clues way more than i am and you're like yeah peter it's not always empowerment just because a lady has two guys to choose from and i oh you know, yeah and then it's, it's better when it's read together <laughs> like it's like a grossest two option that's even like you know it's just like of all the like it's the grossest two option one who doesn't would... shower and has a coffee breath it's like oh wolverine should not be mentioning any kind of smell related thing because we know canonically he smells he should not because your breath doesn't smell like coffee it smells like way a lot more than that whatever you ate <laughs> and that was probably like whatever beast you chased Ugh. probably one of the worst topics we've ever been on but i agree I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we are going to move on to Beast. So, yes. Beast, again, intrinsically tied up with Gene in this sort of who's complicit here. And Beast, however, is a holder of information. Gene, in a way, is like a linchpin because psychically she can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Choir, and so she has to be kind of taken off the board. Beast represents the ability to access. And so Beast is kind of, um, they're trying to both get information from him, but also take him off the board. But Beast is like clever enough to realize the implications mm -hmm. of that. And he's like, first of all, it's better if they can't read fully what's happening in my mind. But then at the same time, if we send me to the gardens, all of this information is unavailable to you. It, it was, there's a lot of nuance. I don't know that I caught all of it. Tyler, talk us through a little bit more the implications of Beast here. Well, I mean, the, 
I, I, first thing is that I find that the 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 attack of Beast through his insecurity as being not smart enough is really really clever. Like so, basically, is like you know, is I mean, it's kind of a trope. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, you're not smart enough. So you know, write write down all the s- secrets for me. You know, otherwise, you know, you are you're you're going to fail this test. You're you're stupid. And then the other thing is like, um, his pact with 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 um, with Sage is that don't send me to the healing gardens. Because when I am getting, when I'm recovering, like my mind may not be strong enough to mm. withstand anybody coming in to get all the secrets. So I would rather die, and then you know you backed up. Then I'm like, you know, then I'm hundred percent. I I know what is happening. Okay, else, I wow. definitely didn't quite get all the way there. So I'm glad you yeah. explained it. So that's 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 my take of it. Like you know, but I mean, I thought it was interesting because. Initially, I was thinking, wait, why? Why would Beast want to die here? Like, what's the difference? And then I thought about it. It's like, okay, this is a psychic attack. So while he's recovering, it makes it easier for him to get to 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 be you know to to be vulnerable to to a psychic attack. Harry, yeah, I like this scene a lot, but I did kind of look at it through the perspective of, of sage more because you know I, i've kind of like i think for me personally the overarching theme of again just beast sucks has like completely just solidified for me and now i'm just more like oh god i'm worried about sage because this job and hanging out with this guy and all of this is making her go down a pretty dark road that i i don't love seeing and so even like her killing beast that way i was like oh that's interesting that does make sense but i'm also like it's really grim and messed up that you would come to this conclusion with this person. And I guess that's my takeaway is that I'm worried about Sage, <laughs> I guess was the biggest thing from that scene. Freya, any take on Beast? Um, no, I, I really liked, like, I mean, it is a trope that, you know, oftentimes like with the smarter characters, they would be like, oh, your insecurity is you actually deep down, you think you're dumb. But there's actually two, like one of the thing is like, beast is like a small it's like a younger beast you know so he's mm-hmm. in his insecurity he's act or in his nightmare he's actually never grew up but at the same time he also knows that this is the way that they're gonna attack him so he has uh like you know a what you call it a barrier about it like he could build a firewall so defense, it's like yeah, yeah defense on it and he just didn't give up so which i thought that was like oh i mean we know that he's kind of evil and stuff like, you know, he's he has a very ulterior motive or he's going by something over there. But I'm like, at least he is competent in his job. Like, you know, he, he got all of those. He all got all of those in there. And it also kind of reminded me. A, yeah, it also reminded me like the bond that like, you know, the, or the promise that him and Sage has was also kind of a lot like Oberyn and that other guy, Major X. Maverick. Or whatever it is. Maverick, mm, Maverick, yeah, Wolverine, Wolverine and Maverick, the bo- like, you know, the promise that they made, it's kind of very similar to that, but it's a little bit on the extreme side of things. I don't know, it was, it was pretty good. And I, I kind of like that, okay, why Beast is the head of X-Force, now we know. Like, he's, he's actually very smart. 
Well, that brings us yeah. to Sage, which I, for me anyway, was the most intriguing part of this issue. Partially because mm -hmm. Sage just doesn't get developed a whole lot, but partially yeah. because Sage and Black Tom really represent truly the physical security and the intellectual security of Krakoa. And this really goes back to the way that X-Force was set up in the first couple of issues with mm -hmm. Sage and Black Tom and Forge kind of like for, you know, forming how things operating. They're they're the engine that runs the security, and all these people are kind of the people who enforce or or make judgments upon the security. And Sage's whole thing is she's a computer brain. She's exact. She never misses a step. And we have a lot of different elements here. Of she, it's kind of the question I want to lead with is what came first, the need to drink, to forget something, or the drinking and realizing she's forgetting something. You know, it's like was she. Was she drinking to drink and realizing the drinking was helping or did she need help and go to drink because she had to drown something out? Because like if your computer is is drinking, your island has a problem. She's the <laughs> one who monitors who's coming through every gate. If she's losing count of things, we have issues. Freya, what did you think about the human computer, much much like yourself, Sage, and her predicament in, in this uh, issue? No, I mean, it was actually very very scary and heartfelt to kind of like someone who's that much in control and who's like very like number based and stuff like that. I, it kind of reminded me, I don't know if you have like any of you ever read or watched the movie Steel Alice. Um, there's a, there's a movie um, like it's about a professor. Julianne Moore finally uh, won an Academy Award. Exactly. So it's about like a very uh, like highly accomplished professor who's slowly losing her mind to Alzheimer. And mm. it was like a very well documented in the book. Like in the book, it was like very like, you know, how she kind of writes things down. She keeps forgetting it. Like it was just so hard, like, like it's so scary to do that. And I think like a lot of her thing kind of reminded me of that. And it is scary, like especially when she was telling about like the numbers that she kind of keep remind remembering, like this is the number and this is the number. I think I'll freak out if I forget the number of books I read. Like you know, <laughs> so we talked about it. Like so, I think from that I was I was I was very scared, and I'm also scared about Krakoa and it's like lack of like allowing only one person to do one thing. Why is there no exactly. backup for anything? Yeah, all these oh. there's no redundancy. There's no backups. I mean, there's no redundancy. And, there's you know, no backup. To the same point, right? Um, um, Black Tom has been shown that he's being overwhelmed by Krakoa. Yeah. So yeah. again, like, again, I believe like in issue nine, he was trying to get drunk. And then, um, you know, they were like, you know, he was like, okay, stop talking to me, stop talking to me. And then, <laughs> and then you know, that kind of thing. So, so that there is, there is like, I mean, it, there is a pattern that is, that is like emerging right here, right? Like Beast is not getting enough sleep. Um, you know, um, uh, Sage is getting drunk to forget things. Jean basically says, I'm done. You know, so the only person who is basically not, kind of fine with this is Wolverine because he has you know well, he has, he's so he's messed Wolverine. up anyway Coffee? yeah yeah he's already broken inside <laughs> yeah so yeah I mean I, I just read about it. all this sage stuff I mean for me it was just kind of a uh it just seemed like the drinking was a symptom of as, as Tyler said just being so overwhelmed that you know you are she seems like someone who's got you know it's such a big job and so many things in her head and so much to control and to think about that eventually you know sometimes pressure release or ways to kind of get that off your mind that can spiral into overindulgence and the part that stood out the most to me when she started saying yeah i can't count how many drinks i had 
And like, uh, that's a very bad sign, um, to, for, to, for things to come maybe. So like, it definitely felt, uh, powerful in a very like unsettling way. Um, but definitely felt, you know, I think you guys brought up best is that all of these, uh, the more logistic side are starting to slowly feel the wear of this job. And this is how her kind of stress and is manifesting, which is and actually pretty like, good. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's actually kind of a cool arc for a lot of these characters. And I also want to mention Jeb, Zeb Wells definitely read this issue when he wrote Hellions. Yeah. Oh like yeah. It's, it, you know, like it's like how she was overwhelmed by master, like, you know, taken over by mastermind mm-hmm. or was she like, you know, so right. We were all that, speculating if mastermind yeah. went over it, but really it's this. It was in the yeah, middle it's of this. Put, yeah, it was potentially just, she's just losing it. Saying, who mm. saw one thing and wrote a completely different thing. <laughs> That's mm. weird. Yeah, I just, I, you know, it's interesting because I think when you make these super brain characters, whether it's Beast, who's just really, really intelligent, or Sage, who's literally a computer, it becomes hard to humanize them for a reader. Unless you're a reader who's like one of these super analytical people who actually is compelled by a character like that. Sometimes they can seem very aloof and very far from you narratively because they're just existing as this like font of knowledge and information. And I think the way that they typically go with Beast is this very typical Marvel way, which is like the, he's so lost in the information that he doesn't have ethics, right? It's a very Reed Richards beat to play. And it makes it really easy to hate him. And, and then the readers who did love him because they did see something joyful and did see something to identify get really offended, you know, because they're like, but he's not just there to hate, but like that's that's like the only beat it feels like that gets played. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's really interesting to see them play a different beat on a computer mind for Sage where it's not actually yeah. an ethical question. It's a question about her humanity. Like what happens when her humanity is her weakness, but does that mean she can't be a good computer because, you know, in that same situation. You know, I also would ask, would they do this to a male computer brain character? Are we only getting the humanity beat because she's a female computer brained character? But I'm fine with setting that aside because I think it's a, a character who doesn't get very much in general. And I'm mm-hmm. interested to see where it goes. I mean, to your point, Phoebe mentioned that too, right? Phoebe, you know, unintentionally called her Cole. And Sage responded in a very negative way. It's like, yeah. you are you calling me Cole, you know, like mm. she's, she was, she was ready to go off on her because she was like, I'm doing so much stuff and you, you miss, you know, miss perfect there of the, of the, of the five, um, you know, quadruples or whatever, uh, mm. <laughs> dare to call me Cole. I mean, I thought that was a really, really, um, succinct, I mean, it's, it's a really good characterization that, that tracks here very well. Well, it also made me feel like Phoebe's on this cast. Like, it really feels like one of the first times that we've had a distinct cuckoo um, yeah. other than in Cable, where it's like, yeah. I really feel like Phoebe's on a really different journey than the rest of them. And by the end, it was kind of like they all acknowledge that Phoebe's on X-Force now. And and there was this <laughs> and there, there was this really cool beat where, like, Quentin was like, we can't rely on the genes and Emma's. And you know that this is one of my favorite things in all of this Hickman era where we get this generational effect. You know, I love the generational effect of Magneto and Xavier and then to Scott and Jean. And I love this idea of choir and and her as the next generation of, of Jean and Emma. It's just, I just love mm-hmm. this stuff. Like, this is what I think the rich tapestry of X-Men has. So I want to open up as our final go-round to Quentin. You know, we realize that Quentin holds the key because some form of Quentin is behind this. And Phoebe helps him kind of journey through his psyche to try to realize what hap- what's happening and confront the monster that is, in effect, him. 
that he's, you know, left behind through one of these many, many deaths. What was your thinking? And actually to look at the art, maybe stitched together from multiple dead versions of Quentin. Hard to say. Uh, so what did you think about these final Quentin revelations to wrap up our discussion here, starting with Tyler? I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting and it sort of like tells us, um, I mean, well, it there's already hints that it is, um, it is a Xeno version of uh, Quentin Choir, um, but this is just like confirm, confirming it. I just, I mean, there's one part which I kind of don't kind of like is, you know, Quentin mansplaining things to like Phoebe. I'm like, both of you are like, you know, psychics. Like, why are you trying to explain astral plane to her? Like, that <laughs> doesn't make sense to me. Um, but, you know, the other thing also is that it establishes which is the choir, well, or at least it tries to establish which which dead choir is the one that is that is being reanimated here because of the, you know, that, that striped t-shirt that he, mm -hmm. that he, he lifted up. That was the one that was the one that he wore when he when he died, um, I think, in before Axe of Sword. So, yeah. Mm. Harry, any further thoughts on this final moment for Quentin? I, you know, I like Quentin Quire as a character, and I think everything they're doing with him in this book is, like, the definition of solid, where it's just, it's a kind of a familiar path, which is a character with an overwhelming amount of confidence and egos kind of belying a, an insecurity there. I think that's a pretty common kind of thing, but it's being done really well. And you kind of mixing it up with Phoebe and kind of the resurrection stuff. It makes it feel just fresh enough that, that I'm enjoying it. Um, it's kind of weird where the stuff with a uh, sage of it kind of like stole the show for me, this issue, but like the stuff they're doing with Quentin, I think is, is really necessary for this character to grow up a bit. And, um, I'm excited to kind of get to the end of it also because i will say i don't know if we need three issues but we're doing it so it's not not the worst it's it's still it's still cool freya bring us home yeah. final thoughts on quentin on quentin here well i i have a soft spot for young lovers who find each other even though they are kind of like part of like a bigger team and then they're like no we don't need the adults we can just <laughs> go off and do our thing and they're super powerful and super competent so it's kind of nice um and i i like so i'm really loving that the relationship that two of them are having because they're like most unlikeliest people who could be a couple you know because she's like one part of five and she kind of didn't have like an identity of her own before and then he is like quentin so um so yeah and that also like that he's also facing his worst fear in a way that you know he like people see him as this like you know manipulative person and he's trying to outgrow that so which, which is kind of really good to see and i really hope whoever these are who got these mutants and making them they don't get a hand uh, they don't get uh, legion or uh, jamie braddock because that will be end of the world like if they can do this with like, you know, Quentin, I mean, mm -hmm. they will destroy everything else with monstrous version of Jamie or Legion. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the final thought I would leave with is, you know, everybody thinks they're going to get this bloody claw book with X-Force because that's what X-Force has been since mm -hmm. 2008. But that's not always what X-Force was. If you look at the first X-Force run from 1991, it was a character run. It was about young characters like discovering who they were and what it means to be a family and part of something and how much of yourself you're willing to trade in order for that proactiveness, in order for the hit first 
How much are you willing to give up about yourself in order to be the one who strikes first? And I just really had this realization in the scene as Quentin and Phoebe are staring into the sunset and getting ready for him to go and strike first again, that um, that this is actually more X-Force than anything we've had in the last 13 years. Like, this is the X-Force that Tyler and I grew up with. And it's actually really fun to have back. I don't need another bloody stabby book. And Percy writes yeah. them great. And maybe that's what Wolverine can be for. But I actually much greater put a much greater value on the X-Force book that can do stuff like last issue and this issue and that can address yeah. the complexity of this cast like it did with Sage and Beast for that matter mm -hmm. here than a book where we just slice somebody's body apart again. So even though I was kind of mid on the issue, it made me actually feel good. Is that is see, it weird? <laughs> no, it's not. But see, that's, there's a common theme here. Why are these two issues so good? Because Wolverine is not in it. Oh, yeah. So take Wolverine away. It's supposed to be an X-Force. It's not yeah, a thing. Take, it's take just Wolverine away from Percy. Years. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, just just let, let, let Percy do whatever he wants with other characters and not Wolverine. Or just let, take, Wolver take Wolverine let the away. Wolverine book be the claw book and let him yeah. kind of just intersect with this a little bit, but then let this do its own other thing, right? Exactly. I think it's a branding problem because X-Force at this point either requires Cable or requires Wolverine, when really I would argue X-Force requires Domino and it doesn't really yeah. matter if you have Cable or Wolverine. Anyway, Bria. <laughs> No, I was just going to say that. And also we should need to add uh, X-Factor's log of like, get all the dead bodies, wherever the dead bodies are, get them. Because <laughs> someone, if someone gets a hold of the mutant bodies, they're doing all kinds of weird shit with it. Yeah. Mm. No, but this is yeah. false protocol in play. So X-Factor has no, maybe have no say of, about this because, you know, because it's X-Force. But Free is like, no, but, bring uh, in the, the, bring in the X-Factor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bring. I mean, I just want X Factor every week. That's what I want. So, <laughs> this is more X Factor plan. More X Factor. Yeah. yeah. All right, folks, that is truly it for us on This Week in X. I've already talked to Tyler, and we did not get through all of the Marvel Universe this week. So, mm -hmm. no bonus X Men stuff for you this week. As always, this to me really drove home the point of why we get together and do this. Because, why, Freya? X Men is better when it's read together. Absolutely. And for me, these issues were way, way better after we got to talk about them. My opinion has totally changed. So next week, we're going to be back with another issue of Cable, which we've really come to love, which is ending in June. And then also, <laughs> I know, but who knows what could happen after that. And yeah. also another issue of Excalibur, which is a thing that happens to us once a month. So we will uh, <laughs> see you again next time. We hope that you're loving reading X-Men together with us as well, because we love reading it with you and talking to each other about it. And hopefully that's really coming through for us. So for myself, for Faria, for Harry and Tyler, thank you so much for watching this week in X from Crushing Comics. Please be well. Bye. Bye.